This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members for your loyalty and support. Tonight's special guest is Nick Redford, a veteran of this program. We'll discuss his new book, The Real Men in Black. Nick Redford will be with us shortly. To listen to tonight's full show, become a Veritas member. Just go to our website, veritasradio.com, click on the subscribe button, and receive instant access. Why wait? For only $7.95 per month, you can listen to every program, audio and video, hundreds of hours in CD audio quality, and take Veritas with you wherever you go. And visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase our futuristic metal-cased 8GB USB drives, with Seasons 1 or 2, with bonus material, or even MMS. What is MMS? Go to the past shows and listen to Jim Humble's interview, entitled, Jim Humble versus the FDA. And if you want to get in touch with me, click on the contact button of our website, and also join me on Facebook. Men in Black, or MIBs, as they are sometimes called, are a group that supposedly show up to harass or intimidate witnesses of UFO sightings and related phenomena 
the government does not want the public to know about. They usually make vague or sometimes specific threats to stop witnesses from talking or sharing information. They confiscate any physical proof of UFO-related sightings, such as photos, artifacts, or audio and video recordings. For the evidence, famous cases, and true stories of these mysterious men and their connection to UFO phenomena, Nick Redfern is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. and you're listening to Veritas Radio. Originally from England, Nick Redfern lives in Arlington, Texas. He is a full-time author and journalist, specializing in a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including UFOs, alien contact, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, government conspiracies, and paranormal phenomena. He writes regularly for UFO Magazine, Fortean Times, Paranormal Magazine, and Fate. His previous books include Memoirs of a Monster, Hunter, Strange Secrets, A Covert Agenda, There's Something in the Woods, Contactees, and his latest one, which we'll be discussing tonight, The Real Men in Black, Evidence, Famous Cases, and True Stories of These Mysterious Men and Their Connection to UFO Phenomena. Nick also lectures on the UFO subject both in the UK and abroad. Among his many exploits, Redfern has investigated reports of aliens in Mexico, lake monsters in Scotland, vampires in Puerto Rico, werewolves in England, and crashed UFOs in the United States. And directly from Arlington, Texas, author, journalist, radio host, ufologist, and cryptozoologist, Nick Redfern. Hello, Nick, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Mel. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's my pleasure. And, you know, in all the years I've been following the, the UFO phenomena, uh, 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 Nick, Men in Black is one of those subjects that always, always has captivated me. And I remember back in 1997 when the movie Men in Black came out, I thought Hollywood did it again. Now, if the real Men in Black are around and are harassing somebody, if that person tells the authorities they're going to laugh at them thinking that they just saw the movie, don't you think? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword. I think sometimes, you know, Hollywood sometimes, you know, gives the whole UFO field and paranormal field, you know, a, a good boost because it brings it to the public eye. But you're quite right. The downside of all this is that, you know, when a film covers a, or tackles a you know, particularly controversial phenomenon like the Man in Black mystery, and then somebody has an experience with the men in black, the unfortunate side effect is that, you know, people will 
and even I understand this, you know, they'll say, well, you've just overdosed on too many Hollywood movies. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's kind of like, on the one hand, it helps us get the word out. On the other hand, it can have this unfortunate spin-off that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, unless they find themselves actually caught up right in the heart of it, so to speak. For the listeners around the world that may not know, and I really doubt it, but just to make to be clear, can you explain what Men in Black, and by the way, the abbreviation, the acronym for, for people who, who, who are listening will be using MIB. What is a Men in Black or Man in Black? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, to sort of focus first on the, the Hollywood imagery, I think, you know, most people, or certainly everybody, I would say, outside of the whole UFO paranormal arena, you know, they, they assume that the Men in Black are just a work of Hollywood fiction, you know, yeah. not realizing that the movie itself was was actually based upon a comic book um, series of the same name, which was inspired by real-life reports of encounters with the with the Men in Black or the MIB. Um, so on the one hand, you know, that that's where most people's perceptions lie, you know, in the world of fiction. Now, even for people, you know, who are sort of conversant with the MIB uh, mystery, you know, the film itself, you know, the, the, or the films, I should say, you know, they're sort of fun-packed, funny, adventurous films, you know, to be treated as entertainment and, you know, a bit of fun and a diversion. Um, but what they do, they just sort of portray the men in black from one angle, namely that of people in government who are sort of employed by or attached to a super secret group that's keeping the lid on the UFO phenomenon. Now, you know, I point out in my book, that's certainly a part of the mystery. But you know, the, the overall mystery or certainly, uh, you know, far bigger and major parts of it, you know, they portray and the witnesses portray the men in black as far stranger. You know, they they have this same approach as in the movies, you know, going around silencing witnesses, etc. But, you know, they don't look anything like Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. They're very often described as sort of small, five foot to five feet, five tall, thin, pale faced, gaunt, you know, shrunk, shrunken cheekbones and bulging eyes that they hide behind these big wraparound sunglasses. And they often exhibit very weird traits and, you know, don't seem conversant with our customs, ways and manners. And this has led to the idea or the theory, you know, that the MIB, the real ones, the really mysterious ones are either aliens themselves or some sort of strange paranormal phenomena, or maybe a combination of both of those and government personnel, you know, the idea that there could be several categories of MIB. So in other words, what seems like a, a simplistic idea that it's either the work of Hollywood or it's just some weird group in government, you know, it, it extends far beyond both of those scenarios. And I knew it was a matter of time before you wrote a book on the subject because you've covered a lot of, of, of ground in your years of, of research. Uh, but recently, since you're mentioning the description of the, the men in black, I had uh, Jay Whitener on the show and I asked him what his favorite um, science fiction movie was. And he said, uh, Dark City. So I watched it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember the, 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 the way they portray men in black there. That's more or less how you describe them. No, you're quite right, Mel. I mean, that that's really, I mean, um, Dark City is a very good film, you know, in itself. You know, it's kind of, it's sort of Matrix-like in yes. some respects. But it's sort of, in my in my view, it's actually, I think it's better than The Matrix and, you know, sort of more thoughtful and, you know, intriguing. But um, the, yeah, the men in black in in Dark City are far more like the way the real men in black are described. I mean, in that film, you know, they sort of, 
prowl around, you know, late at night. You know, you barely see them in daylight. Um, they have sort of these long coats, you know, sort of trench coats and these overly exaggerated, you know, in terms of size, um, fedora type hats. You know, that they look like some sort of like a corpse that's just sort of <laughs> risen from the grave and, you know, being dressed in a sort of a nifty new suit or whatever. And everything about them is kind of menacing and, and creepy. You know, they sort of stick to the dark shadows and, you know, just sort of lurk in the darkness and menace and terrorize people and seem to, like in Dark City, they have the ability to exert a fair degree of almost like mind control over the people they visit, where people just let them in their houses, you know, and without giving any sort of forethought to the implications of letting a bunch of guys in black suits and weird looking faces and hats in your house at midnight, you know, but people do that. Uh, and then it's almost like their common sense factors have been disabled in some sense. So I think, you know, it's fair to say that probably if people want to get a good indication of what the real men in black look like, how they act, et cetera, then they watch Dark City. And, you know, a quick parenthesis, uh, you know, Nick, I've read a, a few of your books and you remind me a lot of the great authors from the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s, uh, like Brad Steiger. I have 13 of his books right here. The, the late John Keel and, and even Donald Kehoe, were they influential in your work? Um, yes. I mean, I would say less so Kehoe. I mean, in, in terms of, you know, reading about the phenomena, um, you know, back even as far back when I was a kid, you know, I was reading the works of people like Donald Kehoe and, um, Leonard Stringfield, you know, yeah. some of the early classic nuts and bolts type researchers. But, you know, as time went on, I began to sort of see not just the UFO subject, but things like Bigfoot and, you know, a, a whole range of other things. They didn't just seem weird and elusive. It was like they were almost too weird and too elusive. You know, all these things sort of defy categorization. We never catch them. You know, we never find Bigfoot dead on the road. You know, even if a UFO reported crashed, we never get a piece of the evidence where it can conclusively be shown to be this or that, you know. And uh, one of the things I found over time, you know, was that this is still when I was like a teenager, you know, that um, a lot of these phenomena seem to be somehow interlinked. And exactly. so over time, I kind of gravitated away from the work of people like Kehoe and Stringfield, not because I didn't think the things they were investigating weren't valid, but I didn't think they were seeing, you know, I don't mean the, this to sound arrogant, you know. But that's the entire was, picture. I, they weren't seeing yeah, the entire picture. They were seeing the entire picture. Right, they right. Were, they were certainly showing us a valid part of it, but without the realization on their part that there was more going on. Right. And that is when I sort of gravitated more towards people like Keel, um, Brad Steiger, um, Gray Barker, um, you know, the, the sorts of people who, uh, Jacques Vallée, you know, who realizes sure. a, a real phenomena at work, or phenomenon, however you want to term it. Um, but it was, you know, a puzzle kind of within a puzzle that had different strands going out in a whole range of different areas. And to address it just from like the angle of ufology or cryptozoology or whatever wasn't enough. We had to sort of embrace it further. And so I, I kind of, followed more the work of the people who seemed whose views seem to I I seem to share you know and and I would say it's fair to say that that's carried on since you know that if you ask me who I think are the most important and influential people within the field of you know the paranormal writing I would I would probably say John Keel 
and Jacques Vallée and, and people like that, you know, who, who, who don't just sort of pigeonhole things into one area. And you use a crucial word for me, at least on this show. Many people say, gosh, you discuss this and you discuss that. You don't focus. You know, focusing will be just to, to see a tree. I like to see the entire forest. So everything, in my opinion, is interconnected or, as you say, interlinked. But somebody like you, what really prompted you to say, you know what? I'm going to write a, a book on Men in Black. What was that moment that you said, this is it? Well, I think more than I don't know so much as one moment. I think it was more a realization that you know when you work as sort of like an author or a journalist, and you know you do radio and TV, and you know have articles published in magazines and they get read. You know, people contact you with their stories. You know, they want to not just share the stories, but they want hopefully someone who can help them answer the questions yeah. as to what might have happened to them, and. Over the years, you know, of writing books and, and magazine articles, you know, I, you're always sort of scouting around for new ideas and going through the various files and things I'd put together over the you know, course of several decades. Um, I came to the realization that, you know, when I went through all the many black reports I'd got, I'd actually got a large number and also a lot of data that hadn't been seen before and leads to follow up on. And although, you know, there have been a number of books written on the men in black in the past, you know, that they very much viewed the entire phenomenon from a historical perspective. But many of the cases I'd got and the ones I, you know, relate in the book were from the 1980s, 90s, and, you know, right up to like literally 2008, 2009. And, and even within the UFO field, you know, there was sort of this tendency to have where people thought it was very much a historical mystery, you know, one of the 50s and 60s, not realizing that, you know, the, it's still pretty much ongoing as it was in the past. So I thought, well, you know, why not write a book that tells the history of the phenomenon, but gets, instead of just going over old ground, you know, and pulling 50 words from this book or that book, why not go back and do brand new interviews with all the people who were around at the time, like Jim Mosley and Brad Steiger and Alan Greenfield, who are still on the scene today, interview them to get their views on what was going on in the past, you know, rather than just doing the lazy job of copying from somebody else's book. And also present the brand new cases to show that what was going on in the 50s is going on now. And I thought, you know, when I could present both those angles, it was worth doing a new book. You know, nobody wants to read a book where you're just going over old ground. It's just summarizing everything that's gone before. So that, that was one of the main reasons for writing it was that I was, felt I was able to sort of bring something new to the table. So. And you'll be surprised as to how many people, even researchers uh, uh, and contactees, experiencers, Stan Romanek has shared his stories of Men in Black. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe had a, an encounter with a man, in, a man in Black. But in all your years of research, what do you think the purpose of the Men in Black is? Well, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that whether you're talking about the government angle, you know, the, uh, the potential UFO angle, and even if some people think, you know, a paranormal angle, it all seems to be connected with victimizing, frightening, terrorizing, and silencing the witnesses. Yeah. Um, now, that's, you know, that, that seems to be the overriding goal in every single case that we have on record. You know, there's never been a case of the man in black turning up all jolly and laughing and say, that was cool about that UFO experience. I can assure you with 100% certainty that does not happen. Um, but what does happen is just this, as I said, this overriding um, 
almost like a programming on the part of the MIB to silence people and to do so, you know, by offering threats, which are sometimes overt and other times are sort of a little bit enigmatic, you know, and, um, and so from that perspective. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.